What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, the cold is fantastic and I, there's lots of benefits to cold. Don't get me wrong. I, and I, I believe in those and love those, but it's also like who you become through it and like what awareness you get because once you're in the cold, like you start to listen to what your mind is really telling you and how your brain operates. And is it telling you, you know, you, you've got this or you can do this or is your brain telling you this is hard? What are you doing? You're, you're crazy. You can't, I can't do this. Like what's your, what's your mind telling you? And it brings a different level of awareness that then once you've heard that, you can then bring that to other parts of your life, right? And same thing with your body, because it's such a physical experience, you you know right away, are you breathing or are you not breathing? And how are you breathing and is it hard to breathe? The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the place where we help you relax your nervous system and experience deep states of bliss. In today's episode, we have some amazing, amazing stuff lined up for you, particularly because we did an experiential adventure cast today in Vancouver, where I am with my guest, Lisa Michaud, and we're at a place, we did a cold plunge experience, we did some breath work as well, two types of breath work. We did some breath work initially to relax our nervous system. Then we did some breath work to build up inner fire. And it was a lot of reflection, a lot of uh, exchange of ideas. And also because we were together, we were as a community, there was a lot of support as well. So this episode is a lot about that. But also, we're going to learn more about Lisa herself, uh, because she is a multidimensional individual. Uh, I'm going to tell you more about 
her. Lisa is an international speaker, success coach, real estate investor and host of the Golden Girls podcast. In her early 30s, she created a multi-million dollar net worth, a growing real estate empire, incredible network and a beautiful family. At the age of 27, she faced the reality that she may only have a year or two more to live. And with that wake-up call, she decided to go out of her own way and make the most out of the time that she had left. While her health scare was just a scare, and she's healthy today, that was the wake-up call Lisa needed. She decided to stop putting her dreams on the back burner to stop waiting until she was quote-unquote ready and start living life for herself full-on today. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. And it's great to have you on the show as well. Um, I know we, the last time around when I was at your place, that was when I was on your show, which was amazing. And uh, it's great to have you on this time because I'm personally curious about different aspects of your life that we're going to explore. And we usually do so by learning about how you got started. In other words, um, where were you born and brought up? Mm. So thank thank you and thank you for being on my show. I, I always really enjoy our conversations and, and being with you. So this is a, a really an honor. So thank you. Uh, so I am born and raised in a small town on Vancouver Island called Port Alberni. My family immigrated to Canada from Croatia. So I'm a first generation Canadian. And I think I always just had this inner like fire and drive and curiosity inside of me. I, whenever I'd come to the city, I would just light up and, and love being here. Um, whenever I saw people, you know, doing cool things, I was always just very curious. I always had, I think, this inner drive and, and passion. And as you might know, or as anybody listening might know, a lot of times like the things that make us unique aren't the things that make us popular in, in high school or in junior high or even elementary school. And so I definitely was uh, bullied a lot. Um, I also had some really great friends. I was lucky to have supportive family. But definitely, like I think throughout my life growing up in a small town, a lot of the big dreams that I had I got told, you know, I remember even telling my sewing teacher, I wanted to climb Mount Everest one day. And she was like, well, good luck doing that. Like, you'll never do that. I mean, side note, she was right. I haven't climbed Everest yet. Um, but, you know, she was like, you'll never be able to do that. She was like, you need to at least get A's in PE. And I was more of like a C plus PE student. But I'll tell you, after that, I certainly started getting A's in PE. <laughs> um, so I feel like um, so much of my childhood was a blend of um, some things that I really held on to that made me unique, like that drive, um, always being in leadership classes, going on then later on in university, create a leadership conference, and now running businesses. Um, I really held on to. And then there were some things about myself that I really that did get stomped out um, from trying to fit in or having people who obviously had on their own not been able to achieve their dreams and therefore kind of put that on me, um, kind of held me down. So um, I know, for example, you know, I, I mentioned that coming to the city as a kid, like I just would light up. I remember my parents would fall asleep in the hotel room and I would poke my head out the window and just like look at the city lights and just dream about living here. 
my whole life, people just were like, you can't live there. Like Vancouver's too expensive. Or what would you do there? There's nowhere to live, all these things. And it wasn't until I had my health scare, you know, at 27 that I really started to realize how much I let other people's voices still take over my own and how much uh, I had told myself that I it was not possible to live in Vancouver and it was not possible to have a good life living here. Um, and so, you know, even just right before we hit record on on this podcast, I looked outside and we're, we're sitting here in beautiful downtown Vancouver. And it just set such a reminder that the only voices that really matter are the ones that empower us, whether that's coming from inside or outside. And it's the voices that really tell us what we want. And so it's pretty cool to actually be here sitting with you um, and being another one of those voices that I shed, those voices that told me I couldn't do it or it wasn't possible. A lot of time, my own voice telling me we couldn't live here. So that's kind of a bit of a full circle to to being here from growing up and holding on to the things that, that were make me who I am and then also relearning to be who I was was born to be. That's very, very um, profound that you shared because yes, Action Tribe, I wish you could see it right now. Uh, we had some tech issues because of which you don't get the whole view for this session, but we are in downtown and you got these beautiful high rises nearby. You've got cars that are going on this bridge. Which bridge is this? This is the Dunsmuir Viaduct. Dunsmuir Viaduct Bridge. And all in all, it's a beautiful environment. A lot of greens because if you come to Vancouver, you realize that it's not just buildings, but there are a lot of greenery, trees and plants and reminders that you're part of um, part of nature, part of the environment. Uh, but I so agree with your point that, you know, in life, we need to have these goals. We need to have these projects that we want to embark on. And a lot of time, it might seem daunting. It might seem difficult. It might seem undoable. But then you, you got to do it, even though it's imperfect. Like, for example, one of the visions that I received on in my life is to not just do podcasts, like remotely, which I've been doing for a while now which is great, but then do in-person podcasts. Now, doing in-person podcasts is more logistics, there's more planning, and things can go wrong, and they will go wrong, right? Uh, but it's so much more rewarding to have a cold plunge with my guest, to do breath work with my guest, to be in front of my guest, so to speak, energetically. Um, and even though things might go wrong, there's a lot of learning, there's definitely a lot of learning involved. Okay, this is something we can try out next. Here's how we'll do it next. Here's how we're going to tell the story next. But to your point, you know, sometimes we have these voice inside of us and we should not let the at least limiting beliefs get the most of us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I, the scripts I had to flip when it came, and this is something that you can apply to literally anything, but I'll apply it for Vancouver. For so long, we'd come visit the city. And um, at the time, I was living in northern Alberta, another smaller town. We had, you know, good six figure paying jobs. We had uh, mortgages. We had careers and all these things. And I remember after that health scare being like, oh, but I just, I just know I'm meant to live in Vancouver for some, like, I just feel it. I, oh, well, I knew that that would be a regret if I hadn't done it, if I didn't do it. And the question had always been, uh, the, the, I should say the statement I always said to myself was, it's not possible. Or I'd ask in a facetious way, well, how is that even possible? How is it possible to live there? And then all of a sudden, I just started flipping it and saying, how is it possible? How can we do it? How, what does that look like? And that's one of the things I think where we can actually look at other people. I think, I think 
looking at others gets a bit of a bad rap because we look at it as like comparison. But I think you can also look at others for, for a source of inspiration and say, how is it possible? How did they do it? Well, if they can do it, what can I learn or what can I try and what, what what's there for me? And so, you know, for us, it was like, okay, well, it's possible if we quit our jobs and it's possible if we sell our houses and it's possible if we downsize and it's possible if we, um, it, like, I have a quad, an ATV that shares a parking stall with my vehicle downstairs, you know? Like, it is possible if you look at things a different way. So I think that's a really, like, just a very simple shift. Like, it's just start to ask, how is it possible? Just opens up the world of, of you know, what, what is available to each and every one of us. That's very true. That's very true. I think, um, you know, just being in the same room with another person who has a different belief system about certain things, whether it's whether it's positive or negative, is going to influence you, right? No matter how courageous, really resilient, intelligent, and um, problem-solving you are, if you're in a room that is very, like, skeptical and negative and... Right, always putting the blame on each other. You're not going to do that, right, ultimately. Because it's the influence of the mastermind, so to speak. It's, it's the influence of the group that is influencing you. But if you're in a room where you're trying to solve a problem and you don't quite know, you can't articulate the problem even, right? But then if you're in a room where the person has done it before, then that person is going to energetically convince you that that is possible, right? And you, you'll end up doing it. So that's very, very fascinating. Before we move on, I want to personally ask you, what do you like about living in downtown? Because before you, you were living elsewhere, right? You were yeah. away from downtown. Yeah. What was that drive that keeps you in downtown? I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I've figured out the full, aha, this is exactly why I was meant to be here. I don't, I haven't found that piece yet. I feel like it was just an intuitive something message that I haven't fully explored yet. But I do know that there is there's a part of me that has always loved cities. And I think even even just like the fact of getting to wake up every day looking around and being like, this is what I wanted and I did it and I figured out a way to do it. And I love it. Like that's really powerful. And I and I truly hold that every day. And I think what I now what I love about it, I mean, I love that we walk and we bike everywhere. Yeah. I love that there's always something happening. Um, you know, there's music on the streets. There is people practicing dance outside. There's a dragon boat race or a dragon boat festival. There is um, Cirque du Soleil a block away. Um, there's, I, I just love like the, I think events, the culture, the, I think the community spirit too. Like it's, you have to kind of make it it doesn't necessarily just happen just because you're with people doesn't mean you're necessarily connecting to people but the opportunity for connection is is constant I mean there's yoga happening at the beach or at the park all the time like there's there's just I just feel like there's opportunities to um to be alive to experiment to try new things and I and I feel like also in the city you're never you're never really an outlier like there's always everyone's just I think a lot more comfortable 
being who they are and doing what they're into. Like if you are into video games, there's a whole community for you here. If you're into yoga, if you're into cold plunges, oh my gosh, we were just talking about, I went to a cold plunge at Kits a couple weeks ago and I think it was several hundred people that went. Um, Like you're just never alone. Like you can always find people. And if you're, you can always find something new to try and experiment and play and you're not attached to a certain identity, which I also really like. Like it can evolve. Um, So I think it's, I think it's a really powerful experience. I think cities get a bad reputation in many, many spaces. I would say particularly in the holistic or maybe spiritual world for um, being very go, go, go and perhaps not being very present, which I think is a very fair, um, it's a, it can be a fair statement for sure. But I think what's really powerful about being in a city is the constant connection in, that can be really powerful to community and to experiences and to um, to learning and uh, just being alive, like just walking around, like you just feel the energy. I mean, that can be for better or for worse. But like it, when I walk on the seawall, there's a calming presence that I feel from everybody around me. When I walk on Robson Street or Granville Street, it's like a, an energy that comes through me and excites me. Um, walking outside right before a, a hockey game or an exciting concert, or even when Oprah comes to town, you can feel it in the neighborhood. Um, so I just, I think... It, like you were saying, like being in the room with people, you you soak up their mindset for better or for worse. It's the same thing with energy. You soak up their energy for better or for worse. Same thing in the city. You soak up the energy for better or for worse. And I'm conscious of being in spaces. And I think Vancouver is a relatively easy place to do this. Of being in places and spaces where the energy you soak up is actually really, it can be invigorating or peaceful, calming, exciting, um, and connective. Yeah, I definitely do agree. Uh, being in the city, sometimes you take for granted right, some of the experiences that just happen on a day-to-day basis, like walking on the street and seeing people perform and seeing all the activities or maybe going to a restaurant and trying out different cuisines. Um, those are like small things that maybe you might not get in a smaller town or maybe a place far away from a big city, right? Um, so Action Tribe, people who are listening right now, let me know if you prefer living in the city, in downtown, or or maybe you have lived in the city for a long time and you want to change. Maybe you want to live elsewhere. I think with uh, a lot of people working remote, that has given the opportunity and option for them to not just live away from the city, but maybe to own real estate away, especially if it's hard to own real estate at this point in downtown. But then you have a choice. Uh, And Lisa, so today, this morning, we did a cold plunge journey, a cold plunge experience, right? What was the experience like for you? I know you've done some cold plunges before, but this was my first cold plunge experience in the sense of having a uh, a tub, a metallic container uh, with cold water filled in it from before, but also putting ice on top of that and trying to see how long you can last in that water. And it was a great amazing experience for me but for you how was that oh i mean it was yeah profound you use the word transformational which i think is transformative which i think is accurate um i know i shared this with you when you came in you know you asked me when you came over uh how are you doing and i was like oh it's monday morning 
was really hectic, you know. Um, I'm a solo parent half the time. I got a four-year-old daughter and trying to get her out the door on a Monday morning is really hard. Trying to set everything up. I could just feel my nervous system was activated and um, over, let's say overactivated. And after doing the breath work, I mean, I'm very blessed here too. Let's be real. I have Aditya, I have you here as my personal breath work coach. So (laughs) I mean, I've... <laughs> I was very lucky with that. But I mean, it was just um, the visualizations were so powerful and um, feeling that like the grounding before going in. And then once, uh, you know, we've talked about this, like once you're in the cold, like nothing else matters, nothing else exists. You just, it, it's so hard. It's so challenging that it takes all of your both body mind, spirit, soul, all of the things to to overcome that challenge. And then it just becomes blissful. And it becomes, I use the word euphoric, because for me, it is euphoric. I just have like smiles and laughs and like, it just feels incredible. Oh, for sure. I think uh, as human beings, we're not designed to multitask in the first place. We ha- we live under this impression that, yes, we can multitask, but we can't. And a lot of times we do a shoddy job of it by focusing on multiple things but then the core like you put it it forces you to think about your survival right because it brings out i guess our primal instincts of needing to be safe and to be warm and to be comfortable and to be secure Uh, but then once we are in the core if we let the cold determine our breathing, then we are like helter-skelter all over the place. But then when we use a certain type of breathing technique like we did today, we are able to build that inner heat. We are able to relax and calm our nervous system as well. And then after a few minutes, it's just, it just is, right? You you, you start enjoying it. Um, but that is something incredible. And today was also an MVP about about this journey of uh, not just doing more of these cold plunges, but also being there for other people and holding space for them and creating these mini transformations that then can help people solve so many other challenges and issues in their life, right? You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Um, but but yeah, that was that was really interesting. I think it's not even. I mean, the cold is fantastic, and I, there's lots of benefits to cold. Don't get me wrong. I and I I believe in those and love those, but it's also like who you become through it and like what awareness you get, because 
once you're in the cold, like you start to listen to what your mind is really telling you and how your brain operates. And is it telling you, you know, you, you've got this or you can do this? Or is your brain telling you, this is hard, what are you doing? You're, you're crazy, you can't, I can't do this. Like what's your, what's your mind telling you? And it brings a different level of awareness that then once you've heard that, you can then bring that to other parts of your life, right? And same thing with your body, because it's such a physical experience, you you know right away, are you breathing or are you not breathing? And how are you breathing and is it hard to breathe? Whereas um, in our day-to-day life, how often do we really stop to pay attention to how we're breathing? If we're breathing deep or if we're breathing shallow, most people don't notice that. How often do we stop to really listen you know, before we go in to have a difficult conversation with a, a colleague or a family member or whatever that is, how often do we pay attention to what our minds are telling us before we go into that moment? And so I think it's the experience of like kind of learning to witness and be with your mind and your body. If you can do it in the cold, don't just leave that skill there. Don't just leave that lesson there. Like you, you can bring the lesson with you and bring that practice with you and and to everything you do. That's where the real power becomes. That's where you start to continue to transform again and again and again. Um, when you can really listen to your mind and notice what it's telling you and start to see where it's, you know, call BS where you need to call BS on it and um, make it uplifting and empowering when you when you desire that. And and also just listen to your body and what that what message that's telling you in, in the day-to-day moments when you need those breaks. That is very interesting because recently what I've started to do is, you know, just check in with myself and try to understand what is that emotion that I'm feeling. Because a lot of times maybe we feel some emotion, but we're attempting to numb that emotion or we just don't recognize, we don't give a name to it, but I feel giving a name to it, that emotion that we are feeling sometimes, whether it's even indifference, can be very um, good for then just assessing how our day went, how our week went, and then, because if you don't know how, how you're feeling or if you don't put a name on it, then how are you going to diagnose and how are you going to change it, right? So that, that that's something that I've been doing recently. Yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when was the first time you discovered the therapeutic benefits of cold exposure? When Did you read it somewhere or did you hear it somewhere or did somebody tell you about it? Yeah, well, I think I'd heard about it for a couple years. And then about four years ago, one of my girlfriends was here visiting and I just recently became a mom and she was like, you should try cold plunging. And, and you should know this. I, like, I love hot like I love hot tubs, I love hot weather. My husband, he's gonna kill me for saying this, but uh, he can't stand my hot showers. Like my my showers are too hot for him. So the idea of me being in cold was like so radical, so wild. But I think just hearing it, and I, I you know, the first the beginning of having a newborn is very exhausting that I was like, I'll, you know, if it's gonna make me feel more energized, I'll try that. And also the immune system, I'd heard that, you know, it was immune boosting. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm about to have, uh, you know, my kid like lick SkyTrain poles. <laughs> um, so I'm like, I need to <laughs> keep my immune system strong. So I started, um, and this is, you know, a couple tips that people can take away in this. I started in kind of this time of year, like May, I believe. Um, And I do think a good time to start is when you're already hot. 
Um, so that might be because you've already exercised, for example, after exercise is a beautiful way to start because it feels so dang good. And in the summertime, when you're so hot out, like that you have a cold shower, it feels so good. And I think that's something that like, you can take that away for cold and you can take that away for anything else you're trying to do in life. It's like, how can you make it feel really good so that you can start to build that habit and, and train your brain? Another way uh, we have um, in Whistler, we have a place called the Scandinavian Spa. I believe there's a f- few of them across Canada. Um, and th- of course, they're popping up more and more around the world everywhere. But there's that experience of hot and cold. And most people that I know, a lot of people that go to Scandinavian Spa do it, love it, and then leave it there and never do anything more with it. But because I'd had such a positive experience there, I was like, well, if I loved it there, I'll probably love it at home too. And so I think um, it's not like what you do once in a while is what you do often. It's what's in your routine that really makes the biggest difference, right? And I knew that it had been pleasurable at the spa. So I was like, well, it's probably going to be delightful at home too. And I think a key to that for myself to get started was to be really warm beforehand with from a hot tub or from a workout or from the hot summer day. Um, and then I just started doing cold showers, cold showers, lots of those. I every time basically end on a cold shower now. And then uh, in the last year, started doing more ocean swimming and then continued that through the winter. And that's been really, really fantastic. And then finally, I realized I'm not a great gardener, so I'll turn one of my gardening <laughs> bins into a cold plunge pool um, and been doing that, you know, even more at home because it's, it's just a different level of intensity. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. I agree on two things that you shared, which was um, when you're trying to build any habit, you got to figure out the reward, right? So it's like stimulation, reward, so the trigger, there has to be a trigger, there has to be a reward. Uh, because if there's no reward, then you're not going to do it. You're not going to have that dopamine hit. And so for me also, last summer, I did a lot of running. Now, technically, I don't like running a lot, but then I had that reward at the end of it, which was a cold shower. So I would go into the run thinking, visualizing that I would be rewarded with this amazing cold shower. And I think that's a great way for somebody to get into cold showers in the first place and also do that one thing that you don't like doing. Maybe you can... Say that if I clean the kitchen or something like that, I'm going to reward myself with a cold shower or some kind of a reward system because it's fascinating how our body is so wired with this pain and pleasure sort of um, way of uh, you know uh, achieving our goals. But then the other thing also that you mentioned is um, it's good to go for a retreat or go for you know like these one-time experiences. But if it's not happening on an ongoing basis, then you know, it's not that useful. It is still useful. Maybe you had that special time, that special connection with whoever you went with. But if it's not happening that often, then maybe it's not that useful to you on a physiological level. And that's why I go to Hillcrest from time to time because it has a nice sauna. It's got it's got steam. It's got a it's got a hot tub. They don't have well, they do have cold showers. They've got really cold showers for sure, and that has worked for me. Uh, and I recently got a juicer as well because I, I used to buy juice before cold press. And that's not very really sustainable in the sense that you can't keep buying juice all the time. All these plastic bottles that you have. And so I got a juicer recently and it's been amazing. Been juicing a lot of greens. I do celery juice in the morning. I do beet, uh, like red juice, not just beet, right? Red juice overall at night that they say is good for sleep. But juicing is my new thing. Amazing. Okay, I have a juicer and I've got celery and I've got beets oh, in my really? fridge. So I'm like, okay, I got some new recipes. Yeah, well, I've been uh, 
reading a couple of articles about the medical medium, right? Oh, yeah, I've heard. Okay, yes, I have some friends that are really... He talks about celery friends. juice Yeah. in the morning. So I've not really done it for long enough to say whether it's really good or bad. Uh, but I like it. It feels good. It feels really good, especially if you do like green juice, you mix celery and you do spinach and you do green apples and pineapple and you put some mint, right? And, and so it's, it's it forms this concoction that is so tasty. It's not just, just green. It's like the pineapple really gives a nice sweetness to it. And um, what I do also, I strain it because then I want to take, a, I want to make it like a proper juice. So even though, even though it comes out of the juicer, I strain it and it's perfect. I got something for the morning and the evening. Sold, sold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one thing I just want to touch on, you know, um, you mentioned about like experiences and and kind of bringing them bringing them home. Like that was actually a really a big moment for me of doing more cold plunges. Is when. Uh, COVID first hit and everything was locked down and we couldn't really do a lot. I thought about like, what can I create that is something to look forward to within my, within my apartment. And that's what made me think. So like, you don't necessarily need to go to the spa or cause I, I understand that like we don't all live close access and there it, it's, can be cost prohibitive but it's like a matter of thinking about like what are the things I enjoy in my life I even think about this with travel like what are the things I loved about travel I love like how when you're when I'm traveling I just like talk to strangers all the time like I'm not I have that like lower inhibition and so that's one of the things that I've tried to incorporate in the last few years without being able to travel is just being able to like create random connections with people on the street or people in lineup like and talking to people and being like what is your favorite place around here what do you love to do and just making those connections and it's the same thing with the cold plunge when we couldn't go to the spa. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it at home. And so I would do three rounds just like at the spa of hot and cold, hot and cold and just sit and like, yeah. So it's a, it's about like, what are the things that bring you pleasure in your life, enjoy in your life? And if you, you can't do them in the same way due to time or physical constraints or whatever's happening, how can you bring a piece of that in to really enjoy it and, and give yourself, um, nourishment from the inside out? Yeah, that's very, very true. Especially if you're traveling a lot, if you're going in a large group, sometimes you tend to be within your own group. You're just chattering amongst yourselves. You're just cracking jokes. And that's good. That's, you know, that you know those people, right? That's great. Recently, I went on a solo trip. I just went, I mean, not far, right? I went to uh, Steveston, close by. But it was a different trip altogether because it was just me. I was doing a lot of vlogging, you know, talking to the camera. People think that you're so you're some kind of YouTuber. Is that, is that a camera? Somebody asked me. That. You are some kind of YouTuber, aren't you? I mean, I'm, I don't have a million, uh, you know, subscribers, but I'm technically a YouTuber, right? Uh, but then, you know, because of my camera, people are like, what's, what's that? You know, like you have these questions, and then you have opportunities to have conversations with strangers as well. Like I had a good conversation with a police officer. And I asked him about these um, electric bikes that you have on the roads. Like, is that really allowed or not? Because then sometimes it can be a gray area, right? So I asked him, like, do you allow that or not? And uh, the answer I got was pretty, pretty good from him. It is, <laughs> it is officially allowed, at least in Richmond. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, to your point, it's it's good, it's good to sometimes uh, go on a solo journey or you know go for a date yourself, and uh, that way meet some new people, make some connections, and. Um, have a good time. Um, I wanted to ask you, what do you feel people get wrong about goal setting? Oh my gosh, so much, so much. <laughs> okay, so on the surface of it, I think, well, I like to also think of goals as intention. 
So I think people get a couple things wrong right off the hop. Some people, first of all, get super hung up on a goal. Or they set, a lot of people set goals because they think it's the goal they should have. Like I should buy a house or I should have this job title or I should get married or I should have this degree. There's a lot of like shoulds often in goals. And then people get attached to things. And I, frankly, I believe being unconscious and being so committed to a goal that you haven't really been intentional about is what creates like midlife crises and what, what makes people disconnect and and feel like they've done all these things and maybe ticked all the boxes, but actually not really living life or enjoying life is because we sometimes become attached to goals that we shouldn't have been attached to. So I think that that's a mistake people make right off the bat. And on the other side, I see a lot of people who resist goals, who don't want them at all because they don't want the pressure and can't handle it. Or they think, sorry, they think they can't handle it and they resist and they're struggling so much in life or feel like they're being challenged enough that they don't even have space to, to do anything different. And so I think I guess that ties to like just just creating, just being unintentional with life. And that's why I believe so deeply in, in goals. Um, one of the the books that I, I think about is Brony Ware's The Five Regrets of the Dying. She was a palliative care nurse uh, for 20 years. And she documented what are, what are the regrets that people on their deathbed have. And they're not big things. They're, they're let me... They're not the things that we often think about as being like what we want to achieve in life. They're not a certain house or status or financial or even experiences. They're pretty basic, simple things. Like I wish I'd given myself permission to be who I wanted to be. I wish I'd spent more time with people that I love. And I just think about each one of those five regrets. If you were just intentional with your day, with your time, with your life, we wouldn't have those regrets. So I think... I think missing what's important about goals, which is just intention. Like, what do you need at this season in your life? I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is they attach to other people's goals or other people's ideas or pressures of what they should be doing. Or they get so overwhelmed with life or dis- or disconnect um, from the idea that their life could even be better or could even be different. So I think that's like kind of some profound um, ways that we get goals wrong. And then there's, once you've set a good goal or intention, I think there's lots of mistakes people make along the way of it. I think, um, you know, people set it and forget it like it's an instant pot and it's not. (laughs) You have to actually continue to come back to your goal. Uh, I'm such an advocate of weekly planning for that because you have to um, check in and what's working, what's not. Is this still the most important thing that makes sense? I think that's that's a really big mistake people make. Another one is trying to do all the things. And I am so guilty of this. Like my hands are way up in the air, but we set too many goals. Um, we overestimate, I think Tony Robbins says this, you know, overestimate what we try can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in five. And so I see so many people setting all these goals and then it's like trying to pour, you know, you've only got one, bo- one bottle of wine or one bottle of juice and you're trying to fill up 300 cups. It's just not going to work. So I think that's a big mistake people make is trying to do too many things. Now, it's not to say that you can't do all of those things at some point, but there's very few people, if you look across even the most successful people in the world, very few people kind of hit all the markers of success by the age of 30 or even 40 or even 50. And I'm kind of using the word traditional markers of success, but you know, um, having a great relationship with yourself is a whole journey. Um, Healing trauma is 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 a process building a solid relationship if you want choose to have a life partner having relationships with your family and friends that that takes time and commitment 
if you want to have your own family and nurture that, if you want to exercise, um, get better at cold exposure, learn breath work, um, move up in your career, start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, travel the world, climb a mountain, like all of the, start a business, all of these things, they take time, they take commitment. And when we try and do all of the things at once, it ends up in epic failure, I think. And, and what I, see happen so often, one of the mistake, the mistake that it is, is that then we we start to take on the identity or the story that I just can't do this, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not smart enough, other people could do it, why couldn't I? When the reality is, is that we need, like momentum is what creates motivation, and that's what creates more progress. And if we were able to focus on one thing at a time, put our intention, put our focus, put our time and energy into that, we would then create momentum that that would then start to reinforce the stories and the beliefs that we want to hold about ourselves, which is I can do this. And look at me, I'm creating change and um, I'm not perfect, but I'm making progress. And that momentum becomes motivation to then do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, because we start to prove to ourselves that we can do it. We start to rebuild and regain trust with ourselves. We start to create um, the empowering beliefs and stories within ourselves to be able to make the success that we want. Yeah. There's something I think very interesting about the human um I guess nervous system or the way that we are built is that when when somebody else achieves their goal, we automatically go to comparing where we are at with their goal. Now, with not with our goal, but with their goal. And uh, subconsciously, that goal might not even make sense for us. But we then are like, why don't I have that goal? We would maybe might not articulate that, but this 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 comparison is looks like it's wired deep within. And maybe it, it made sense for us to feel that way at a certain point in our evolution. Like, for example, you know, like maybe XYZ found fruit in one part of the jungle. Now, if, if we don't compare our goal with that person, it would essentially mean that we we go for days or months without food, right? So that was an indication that there might be food lying there or maybe somebody found some meat or some carcass in that area. Maybe that's a place where we can get food. So it was intricately tied to our survival but these days we're not so that bad in terms of you know needing food to eat uh right or maybe having a shelter to live in at least a lot of us and so this innate comparison does not make sense it's working to our detriment in fact right what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I th- I think if we're conscious to it, it can work in our favor. Yeah. I think it's about how we look at it. If we look at it as like, why does this person have more than me? Or what does that say about, what does that then say about me? Or what does that say about them? What does it say about what's possible to me? Also like, you know, scarcity. Like if this person has it, does that mean I can't? And what does that bring up in us? I agree with you. That can be really detrimental. But I also think seeing people, if we look at it from possibility, that changes it, right? And like you said, it's maybe not survival in terms of like, will I be able to eat today or will I have shelter from uh, a hazard? But it can be an indication or it can be an opportunity to look at like, well, what else is available for my life and my soul and my journey here? To look at somebody else and say, wow, I've never thought about that. And then like, and look at what they've achieved or the success of their accomplishments and use that and filter that through our own filter, of like, does this feel good to me? Does this feel like something I'm curious about? Or is this like, oh, wow, I'm really happy for them and that's a heck no for me. (laughs) But I actually do think there's really a lot of power in that. Like I, I think we wouldn't know all the things that are available to us, all the things that feel good for us, if we didn't sometimes see other people do it or we didn't see other people experience it and then be able to filter it or vice versa. Like who hasn't, you know, maybe seen somebody get a certain promotion at work thinking, and we think maybe we want the same, but then when we see that actually happen, we don't feel that jealousy that we thought we might. And that might be a really interesting indication too. So I think, I think it's actually really powerful. I think the comparison maybe isn't as much life or death as it used to be, but I still think when we do it well, and when we do it with curiosity, with compassion, with consciousness as like, and seeing what that person has done or has, and then you filter that through our own lens of what what feels good for us, then I think we get we get to make a conscious choice of like, ooh, um, I'm feeling jealousy, which means there's probably something here for me that I'm curious about or may want. And have I maybe not allowed myself to fully lean into that or accept that about myself? Or to say, wow, I'm like, I see that for them, but it lights absolutely nothing up in me. I'm not excited. Like, I I don't want that for me. I don't feel, it doesn't feel good. Or to be like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so excited for them. And I'm cannot, like, now I'm really fired up to make that happen for me too. Yeah. I think a lot of times um, the contrast creates a trigger within us that oftentimes indicates something that we are aspiring towards. Like it, 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 the, the contrast creates the contrast reminds us of a goal that we have, right? And that, like you pointed out, could be an opportunity for us to check in with ourselves to see what we are feeling exactly. Because sometimes an unknown feeling is of not much use. But if we realize it, then we can, you know, we can uh, we can change that thing that we are feeling to feel that you know what I'm grateful for that person for pointing out something that I'm working towards. Maybe you get to know something new. Right? Oh, I didn't know about this resource. I didn't know about this. I don't know about that. I don't know this, that this person also teaches X, Y, and Z. 
and then that can actually be a valuable experience rather than a trigger that makes you feel i don't know jealous or bad or down about yourself and feeling not good enough so yeah i think uh, bringing in some awareness to that situation um can be very useful now i want to check in with you in terms of your process of reviewing your goals you said you do it like once a week how does how does that work and um how do you really measure the progress the small progress that you're making towards your goal while at the same time feeling motivated towards your goal yeah good question so i just kind of made up a thing a couple years ago <laughs> i i do 100 day goals uh, i have a planner now that i created for that um cuz i found 100 days is kind of a good amount of time but I'm an overachiever. I you know, said that at the beginning, I think, uh, overachieving people, pleasing perfectionist in recovery forever. Um, and so I d- feel deeply that, that desire to want to do all the things. Um, and I have done all the mistakes, and which is why I feel like I now speak about goals and how to, how to hopefully overcome some of those mistakes. So I find 100-day goals is great because 100 days – 100 days is not so long that I feel like I'm missing out on everything else or that it, it feels like a commitment that I can't hold to. And 100 days is long enough to see real results and real progress in whatever it is. And like I said, nothing is as motivating as actually seeing results and making progress and, and creating change. So that's the that's a big thing is I, I set 100-day goals. I do three rounds a year. Um, it gives me the opportunity to do three things. Uh, sometimes I carry a different goal over again if, if it feels aligned, if it's what I need. Um, but I really just pick one thing that is super important to me in my life that I that I want to change and make be really conscious and intentional about. I then align that with weekly planning. So I've been planning my weeks for probably like 10 or 11 years. And I used to just do like, okay, make sure I know where all the meetings are this week and make sure I know what's for dinner and that kind of basic stuff. And what I added on in the last couple of years is the reflection piece in terms of like, what did I do last week towards my goal? What am I most proud of? What am I celebrating? And what am I grateful for? And then looking ahead, what does my future self want me to do related to this goal? Not just, you know, the never ending, uh, hamster wheel of life that will keep me busy regardless of whether I have a goal or not. But how can I be really intentional about creating time and space for my goal this week? And what does that look like? And what are those things that I'm doing? So I'll be really, really transparent with you. Some weeks, there is nothing that I do towards my goal. But you know what? Then I know. Then I have that awareness. And then it's an opportunity to check in and say, ah, okay, what happened last week? Was it, did something flood? Did was everybody in my house sick and that needed to happen? Or is this uh, maybe a bigger issue? Something else is coming up. Are, are some of my boundaries in terms of my work being compromised? Or um, am I not getting the support that I need to make my goal happen? Or like, or am I holding myself back with maybe some sort of unconscious fear or something of me not putting out there? But it allows for that reflection point and check-in. And I think that's that's the key is that it doesn't matter so much whether every single day, every single week, you you make perfect progress on the, the goal that you're trying to achieve. But it's, have you stopped to pause and check in if you're moving in the right direction? Because it's not about getting it right every single day, but it's about moving in the direction that you want to go. Right. Yeah, that's very, very apt, I'd say, because um, goal setting is not just uh, about OKRs and metrics and not just about numbers, which do help you stay on track 
and make progress but then it's also about the subjective um, reflection the experience that you're having and 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 checking in with yourself and you know uh, reflecting on how you feel and what sort of emotions are bringing up for you i think that reflection piece is very very powerful yeah let me quickly build on that to say a couple other things that I uh, other mistakes I see people make and Danielle Laporte she's another Vancouverite she talks a lot about feelings and I think that's something I think a lot of people don't think about the feeling behind their goal or why they want to do it and that's so 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 dang important because you wouldn't believe how many people come to me I'm, I'm a goal setting coach right so they come to me and they're like I want to have more money and I'm like okay why like what do you want and they don't always know. And then we even dive deeper. Maybe they do know. Maybe they know they want to put their kids in, in a school or whatever. But then I ask them, well how, well, how is that going to make you feel? And they can't answer that. And so I always like to flip that on its head. And it's one of the things that I learned from Danielle Laporte to think about how you want to feel and what that goal is. Because if you understand, for example, let's say um, you want to have money because you want to feel generous. You want to feel like you can... Um, you know, donate money, treat people. Uh, maybe you want to have like your own wing of the Vancouver Public Library or whatever, or you want to be able to t- send your kids to private school or whatever that is. If you don't understand how you want to feel and you set yourself something like, I want to have a million dollars, it takes a, takes time to get there. And you you might get there and still feel like you know don't have enough. And there's a very interesting research that like 80% of multimillionaires still feel like they don't have enough. So there's there's a lot of research behind this too. And I think it's because people don't understand what they want to feel. But if you can flip that and say, okay, I want to feel generous. I want to feel abundant. Or I want to feel like I'm giving my kid um, amazing opportunities. Or I want to feel like I have time for the, re- the things that I want to do in my life. I want to feel like I'm making an impact. Then what you can do is instead of waiting till you have a million dollars or $5 million or $10 million, or hypothetically, probably never because we never feel satisfied. You can actually start to say, and this is this is what I do with my goal. I say right now, right now, my goal is um, to be who I am and f what they think. And so the goal is there's pieces of that, but it's like, how do I embody that today? How do I be that? And if your goal is to have a certain amount of money, okay, if I want to be abundant, how can I be, feel abundant today? Does that mean I t- tip where I wouldn't normally tip maybe at, at the Starbucks? Or if I would tip 10%, maybe I tip 15%. Or if I tip 15%, maybe I do 20%. Or maybe I will buy a coffee for the person behind me. Or maybe um, somebody's selling chocolate covered almonds in the office, I will buy two packs where I would only buy one or I'll buy three packs and I'll share them to somebody else or I'll buy send over uh, just it makes you behave differently right and so instead of waiting till I have a million dollars to feel abundant or to feel to feel um, generous or to feel like I'm having an impact I can do that today and I think that's a big part of it and same thing with my goal my goal to to kind of put myself out there at a different level isn't about the final me putting myself out there. It's about feeling that way. So it's about even today, how can I um, like honor a boundary that I maybe wouldn't have before? Or how can I share the truth that I wouldn't have wanted to before? Or how can I lean more into myself and worry less about what other people think today versus just waiting till I drop that that explosive podcast or um, until I have that presentation that allows me to feel that way. I can actually feel it every step along the way. So I think that's another thing um, that 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 flips it and makes it makes it so that you're not always chasing something down the road, but you're actually feeling it today, and you're becoming and you're stepping into who you need to be to feel the way you want to feel, and then to ultimately achieve what you're hoping to achieve. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that connects to a lot of the different manifestation uh, techniques and strategies as well. Totally. Yes. Right. Um, do you do you do you like Neville Goddard? I've never heard of Neville Goddard. Yeah, Neville Goddard is uh, is one of the foremost, at least in the West, uh, manifestation, you know, um, authors, and uh, he was there in the 1940s, right? And uh, I think a lot of the later Law of Attraction books were all, you know, emulating him and, and drawing from him, so to speak. And um, so one of the things he talks, or at least spoke about, is um, thinking off the goal versus thinking from the goal. Because when you're thinking off the goal, then you are, you've not achieved the goal because you're thinking off it. And so thinking off the goal is not as powerful as thinking from the goal and then looking back. Uh, he, he keeps saying, right, you know, don't say that I'm going to achieve this. Say that I remember when I achieved this. So that then now you're looking back, right? But then you need repetition also, right? It cannot be just be you say it once and finish. You need to live it. And that's why they say method acting or acting in general can bring out so much. You know, you see these actors, Oscar winning actors, a lot of times when they're so deep into the role that they develop depression and they change, develop psychosis and they had have all these uh, health issues because of the negative effects of how good they are at acting. Mm-hmm. And they're not able to come out of that role. And so what if we could use these po- concepts in a pow- po- powerful, uh, positive way to change our life? It's because we are stepping into that role. Yes, absolutely. That's who we are. Yes, yeah. So w- with, the 100-day goal format or any goal format, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter whether it's 80 days or 120 days or whatever. It doesn't matter. But it's like every single day, how am I stepping into that? So like another really kind of concrete example is people are like, I want to run a marathon or I want to lose weight or whatever that is. But it's like, what do you actually want to feel? Do you want to feel, do you want to feel strong? Do you want to feel energized? Do you want to feel um, empowered? Like what, what is it that you do you want to feel challenged? Because, you know, then you can do little snippets of that every day. Like do, do 20 push ups every time you go to the bathroom for a day and you're going to feel strong or maybe not at first, but you will eventually, um, you know, you want to feel energized, do some cold plunges. Like you can literally find ways every single day to feel the way that you you want to feel and that does like really bring it home right and and allow you to yeah but i love that the manifestation the the becoming and coming from your goal not to the goal not of the goal yeah so good right 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 and so how did you begin your real estate journey oh how did, how did that get started hmm well we kind of my husband and i it's definitely a joint effort we kind of became accidental real estate investors in the beginning. Now, I think I've always had a bit of interest, kind of like the idea of living in Vancouver. Um, I was always just kind of something like on my horizon. And I'd always, I'd heard of people having, you know, 50 rental properties or a hundred doors. And I was just being like, wow, like what, what would that be like? Or being very curious about it. And it wasn't until, so my husband and I, he had a one property in that he lived in. And then the company that I worked for, it was giving us an incentive to buy a house. And so we thought, okay, well, let's buy a house and let's keep the other one. And it became our accidental rental property. And at that time, we just sort of thought, you know, when we retire, maybe we'll have an extra couple hundred thousand dollars and it'll be wonderful. And then a couple years later, we sold that. We bought another place. We did some rent to own. Um, and then 
after that, we thought, well, what, I mean, if we're going to have an extra couple hundred thousand dollars in retirement, well, maybe what if we had two properties and we maybe had like a little bit more even in retirement, that would be pretty cool. Hey. And so we went from one door to, to then we bought a, a duplex as well. And so we had, we had three rental units and that was kind of where we, we got to really like, well, nice to have a little extra money in retirement. And then the following year we had an opportunity to buy a six unit building. And this was like, huge for us who had really only had a couple little the door one at a time really um and we thought well I mean this is this could be even even better let's let's do this and really when the the we knew how to get to nine doors so we had nine doors but we did not know how to get to 90 doors or 900 that was just something and if you know about real estate 900 doors no we don't have 900 doors i'm just saying like no i mean to to even fathom to think about it 900 doors right right yeah but it's about setting goals right it's not just yeah 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 Yeah, it was it was yeah it was always this uh it's so far away right and uh we didn't even know how to get to 90 we didn't even know how to really get to like we i think we were we were able to get to like 22 and then we were starting to get capped um but and when the pandemic hit, we suddenly had some more, less time in some ways, but more time in other ways and more ability to focus kind of on the here and now and started to dive in and learn, well, how do people actually get there? This had always been a question we'd asked, but never had the time to really learn and figure out. And so we we invested with some mentors um, and started to see what was really possible with what we were doing with real estate. So we only had for I think the first six years of our journey, we only had one door and then we went from one to three and then from three till nine. And then we went from nine to uh, now we have 60 doors in the last two years. So yeah, we've, I guess, what is that? Like six X our 10. Yeah. Six X our portfolio in two years. Um, so it's definitely been a journey. Um, and we've now see what's possible and now we are looking at it as well as like, how can we create, um, abundance and financial freedom now, not just in 25 years or 45 years or whatever that is, but how can we do that now? So our goal, our goals have evolved and changed. And I, I truly believe, and this is what I think also why I'm really passionate about both goals and real estate is I think if we'd been more exposed to what was possible, I think if we'd been more intentional about our journey from the beginning, we'd be in such a different place. But we were really unfocused. We were very much just like, like I said, kind of accidentally stumbled upon this opportunity. We always had other things that we were too busy with. We never, we, we knew the questions to ask, but we didn't know where to ask them, where to find the answer. And frankly, we didn't really put in the effort to figure out how could we grow. We just kind of figured like one day, I don't know, something, a global pandemic will happen and we will be trapped at home and that's what we'll look up, I guess. Um, so it's been definitely a journey. Um, and... That's why my both my husband and I are really passionate about trying to just share what we know and help inspire others, whether it's real estate or not, but just to figure out what they want, be really intentional with with our time, with our money, with our energy, because it's all of those things. And real estate, if you're not interested in it, don't go into it because you've got to you got to have a certain passion for it. Um, you know, how, how do we help people do that sooner than later? Amazing, amazing. And so what do you feel or what is one thing about owning real estate you feel more people knew? Is there something that uh, that comes to your mind? Uh, 
I'm going to say two things. Maybe one thing, but they're, it's going to sound contradicting, but they're both true. It's that it's easier than you think to get it, and it's also harder than you think. So I think a lot of times, especially in this day and age, there's so much emphasis on like passive, passive investing, passive income. And I believe that there's huge power in passive investing. Like I, I we got to be, in my opinion, and what we do, like we have to invest and the more passive we can make it, the I think the better. But I think to sell real estate as completely passive is definitely not accurate of what our experience has been. There's ways to build in systems. There's ways to have team. There's ways to, um, you know, become more efficient and software and all those things that you can do to, to make it as passive as possible. But at the end of the day, and I think this is probably true with anything, like anything that's worthy, like takes work and takes intention and, um, takes, some oversight. And I think that that's one thing, like I think sometimes people go into it hoping it's going to be completely passive and it's, it's certainly not. And on the other side, I think people like, and, and Vancouver is probably exceptionally guilty of creating this because owning property in Vancouver is, is certainly more high priced than a lot of other places in the world. So I think it makes us feel as if it's out of reach or it's not possible. And I want to say, you know, I say it's, it's, a lot of work, but it's also completely possible because it doesn't necessarily have to be in Vancouver or in the town that you're in, or it doesn't necessarily have to be that your first property that you buy is six units or that you hold on to it for 20 years and it's the perfect thing. There is so much power to, um, if you know what your goal is and know what you want to do, and then start to, again, ask, how is it possible? You start to take the, the step and start to, to move towards it. And, you know, let me tell you, um, if your goal is, you know, the uh, home on the ocean so you can you can visualize your family retreats happening there and your children and your grandchildren celebrating birthdays and hosting weddings and all those things, um, I'm not saying that it's easy and you're going to get that <laughs> next year. But I'm saying you can like, if you can see that that's your, your vision and you just, you just need a realistic first step. You just need to know like what that first step is and you need to know that it is possible and start working your way there. And so maybe your first property is something in, um, in Saskatchewan. Maybe it's something in the U S maybe it's, um, in this space of life, it's, uh, deciding to be more hands-off in something like a real estate income trust or becoming a, a private lender for real estate investing. Like it could be different, different first steps that get you there. Um, but I think so often we, you know, we don't think it's possible or we think it's out of reach or we, we don't see like the hundreds and it's maybe thousands of little steps between where we are right now and that goal of that first or that 10th or that 900th property. Yeah, that's that's very true. What I get from what you're saying is that there's no one way to do it. There are many different ways to be involved in real estate in the first place, whether it's buying stocks, whether it's you know trying to attempt something that's more passive in approach, maybe something that's more active where you're doing it full time as well. Um, and and there's no one thing to do it, but just don't have these preconceived notions and be prepared to. Uh, set the intention and do the work that is needed. Uh, my question to you is, you know, because you are exposed to a wide variety of um, of practices and ways of living, whether it's breath work and meditation and 
um, and structured water, which I'm uh, sipping from right now. What do you think? <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> we should have done a taste test and see if you could tell the difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And real estate as well. So uh, what to you is energetic or spiritual about real estate? Is there anything at all? What do you uh, think of it as a person who is, um, you know, connected to spirituality and, and, and things like that? I mean, there's nothing more or there's a few things that are as like basic, primal, sacred as housing and home and stability, right? And so that's not a responsibility that I take lightly, that I know my, like my husband and I both really feel the gravity of that, the responsibility of it, and lean into that. And I think, I think it's, really powerful because it was a our, we've done a lot of different strategies over the years um i think the best way to make money is when it's a win-win and so it's like real estate you just have to figure out how do we make this a win-win so you know a few years ago we we did some rent to owns um and i don't know if you're familiar with that or but basically how it works is we put down the money we put down our credit to help somebody else get a mortgage who has credit who doesn't have the credit to do that but wants to own a home and so often it's uh, immigrants to Canada it's people that have been through difficult situations and maybe claimed bankruptcy and therefore can't get a mortgage but want to get access to a housing market that's perhaps appreciating and you know we were able to get a family into an an amazing home and it took a like a couple years we worked together um you know we we got to make some money they're in a beautiful home like something that um it, the way that the the deal was structured is that it was meant to appreciate about 3% a year i think which like in a normal real estate market is kind of about fair um but this was in the Okanagan and the real estate market had appreciated like 20 30 40% like crazy amount and so like for us in that sense you know we didn't make as much as if we had not been in that deal um but this family got to be in this home um and they got to restore their credit they got to i think and you know, we use credit in like a very, obviously, you know, that, that number matters when you're talking about real estate and financials, but also like credibility with themselves. Right. Which I think is so powerful. And, uh, yeah, so they have this amazing family home. Like, I think that's like, I don't know. I, I, I hope that this family absolutely still loves the home. I know like when we got to visit them there, it was really amazing to see their kids running around, enjoying the pool. Um, you know, getting to start a business in the basement, like just getting to see from where they started, which was like not being able to buy a home or being stuck in perhaps unsuitable housing to be able to be in like literally a dream home where they can start to create their dreams. Like that's, that's pretty amazing. Very cool. Yeah. Um, even like long, we do now more long-term housing and we buy buildings that are you know, the, the technical word is like underperforming. But what that actually means for the people living there is it's often they're uncomfortable. They might be perhaps even like unsafe, um, just un, like the kind of conditions you don't really want to live in. And when my husband and I either do tours in person or we see virtually um, photos and you, you see like the kind of conditions that kids are living in, a kid, like the kids thing really always gets me, but just, just people in general too. Like it's very motivating to want to do something better, to want to create a space that like people can feel comfortable feel safe in that they can raise raise their family if they so choose to or um 
like work from home in a in a play in an environment that is calm and quiet like i i don't know like there's something really um sacred about bringing that back up and a lot of it is like older uh, some of the buildings are, are older buildings too so like you're kind of like bringing back the history and that too like has a whole other like spiritual as opposed to like this throwaway society that we have where it's just like oh it's it's old throw it away like to restore something and to honor the history and um the materials that went into building at the time the all of that like it's it's, it's very it does have a lot of spiritual aspects there, you know, like restoring something to its to glory, bringing safety and community and comfort to to all all people, um, and to giving people hope and opportunities um, and and dreams. Like that's that's pretty cool stuff, right? Yeah, I think that's definitely very cool stuff, and uh, I think what you're doing as somebody who is connected with things like meditation and breath work and spirituality and impact and kindness as a uh, as a real estate investor is that you're bringing more um, kindness and sentience to this whole thing right because otherwise and me me too getting into the real estate space i want to bring more of that into the field because sometimes um, you know landlords if they're not connected to that side they're just looking at the numbers and they're just saying what what are the numbers how can i get this person out of the place because they're not paying market rents. How can I improve the place and how can I get some other people who can then afford the place, right? I mean, I understand that's, you know, part of the part of the business, but then how can you do it in a way that's supporting people and providing people a place to stay as well as, um, you know, looking at the tenants as your clients rather than somebody who is just living in your place, right? So, yeah, so, so, so that's um, that's very interesting, and thanks for sharing that with me. Uh, do you do you meditate a lot? I know you do breath work. I alternate, and I try and this is like you know we talk we're talking about routines. Um, I think this is something probably more women need to hear, uh, maybe maybe all beings. But like, I think routine can be really powerful. But I think also, especially like for women, like our cycles are changing, our hormones are changing uh, week by week, which is very unique. And so I try and actually listen to like what my body and my mind needs that day, that week more than just like, okay, I need, I need to do the meditation and then the breath work and then this and then this. And because it then just becomes like a whole other to-do list and becomes more stress so um yeah i do like lean into it but i don't have like a i meditate all every day these this time or things like that i let it kind of be a little bit more fluid and i have been finding maybe with like everything going on in the last two years i mean i think it's all been very activating for the nervous system right constant fear constant changing of rules um stability like it's it's been a lot a lot for the nervous system so I have personally found breath work to be more grounding and more supportive in the last, I guess it's been probably last six months to eight months of doing breath work. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think it's just a matter of like seeing where, what my body needs that day, what my, what my mind and my soul needs. Um, yeah. So yes, I meditate, but it's not like a every time, every day this time. Yeah. Um, but I do, I will say this whenever I notice that things are harder 
or I know I'm going into a challenging season. Like let's say, um, actually this summer when my daughter and I had COVID and we were quarantined for 14 days in this little, this apartment in the summertime, um, it was like, okay, I need to be on my A game. And that's when I'm like, okay, meditation, breath work, let's go. You know, so I, I, I find that I, I know that when things are hard, like I need more of that, not less of that. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that uh, yours is a very intuitive approach and that's my approach as well. You know, I don't have like a set thing like I, I got to do it this at this time, this at this time. And I, you know, sink into what I'm feeling right now because I shared last time where I'm doing, I'm checking in with myself more often and seeing when I need more of a meditation uh, and and to be honest, breath work is a meditation. You start with the breath work and then it leads into a nice meditation. But sometimes I go directly into a meditation where I sit still and, uh, you know, I, I, I just meditate. And off late, I've, um, I've gone into this really interesting state, which is hearing a faint white noise when you begin to meditate. Now, this is not tinnitus. Because I know that a lot of people who do a lot of breath work and when they inhale and hold, then it causes ringing of the ears, which is a medical condition called tinnitus or tinnitus, some people say. But I know that this is not uh, tinnitus because I'm not doing that type of breath work and holding. And so it's not, I guess, um, it's not unpleasant to speak. But it's very interesting when I sit in meditation and when I close my eyes, it feels as if my subconscious mind already knows. And the white noise begins to start. Now, this is called Anahata Dhwani in Sanskrit. They, they, they've written about this. They've written hymns. They've written about it at length. And this is called, it's Anahata means unstruck. Most of the sound that we create, drums saxophone it's because of something that's being struck right either the the sound or the, the wind is vibrating or maybe the you know you're 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 literally striking but this is the only sound which is unstruck and they say that this is the primordial sound of the universe the ohm was f when they heard this sound and so yeah i find that interesting i don't know what it points to uh but it's it's an interesting experience to have that is so cool. Makes me want to meditate more and see if I can find the universal ohm. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I'm I'm doing more experiments because I'm trying to increase the amount that I'm meditating. Because I did like, uh, you know, a couple of weeks back, I did a forty-five minute, you know, at one go, and that for me was very pleasant. But uh, sometimes it can be unpleasant also. Because at one point, I felt as I, as if I was zooming through space. Like, and, and sometimes that can be, you know, um, I don't know what the right word is, unsettling, so to speak. But yeah, it's just an experiment, right? We'll see what what, what becomes of this. <laughs> Very cool. So inspiring to hear how like the depths of where you you go with your meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Um, but you do you do uh, breathing, you do breath work, right? And you've you've all obviously mixed a lot of the breath work with the cold. Yes. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. During that outdoor workshop that you were, that you were a part of, did they do like the Wim Hof 
Yeah, so it was actually uh, indoors at a space in Gastown. Indoors, okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that, the actual Wim Hof workshop. Yeah, it was like a level, like the level one Wim Hof. It was phenomenal. Yeah, we did breath work as a group, um, and then everyone did a two minute ice bath. Yeah, and it was, it was very powerful, very powerful. Yeah, I also have the Wim Hof app. I mean, it's, it's just great to do it at home too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I have the app as well. Um, so I, I wanted to check, you know, as we are sort of closing down this interview, which which has been amazing. Um, what is money to you? What is your understanding or your current philosophy or thoughts around money? It's cliche, but money is energy and money is power and money is also, I see it as the vehicle to create change and I think about the money that I make and the money that I spend as a vote for the kind of world that I want to live in. So I see myself like, and I have also lived this and continue to practice this, but like the more money that I have, I notice that I am more generous and I am more kind and I am more compassionate and I invest more in the kind of companies, the kind of sustainability, the kind of just generally the kind of life that I want to have and the kind of world I want to live in. Um, so I think, and it's definitely been a process and I'm sure there's still many layers that I'll continue to uncover on the money journey. I came from like my family money story is not one of like envisioning abundance. I, like I heard a lot of times growing up, like money doesn't grow on trees or like you're crazy if you think you can have that much money or just like people that this idea that people that had money were, were bad people. Like a lot of that kind of stuff was really imprinted in my head. So it's been a journey of like unlearning a lot of those things, but I also like really in, try to live the proof of the different story. Try to be the person that has, not to say like I have a ton of money, but the money that I have, like with, it doesn't, here's the thing, it actually doesn't matter how much money you have because every one of us will be wealthy to somebody else, right? Everyone else will be rich to somebody else. And so I look at myself and be like, I'm a rich person and I'm a good rich person, you know? And I think if each one of us can do that or I'm a rich person and I'm generous or like I'm a rich person and I'm compassionate, like all these things that we can we can change. Yeah, I just I just noticed that like, with money, I now support other people as well. Like how many other families do we support um, in, in our real estate business? How many other, you know, how many women do I get to support in their businesses because I can I can utilize their services or their, buy their products? Um, you know, like it's just, I think, how, how many people do I get to then promote because I have, I'm able to invest and then I can continue to share their products, you know? Um, like I, I really think of, I think, power has a negative connotation maybe because I'm a woman it's also like a deeper thing that we're not supposed to want power um but we all have it and it's I think it's important to use our power in in really beautiful ways so I I think money is just another another tool another way to express power and I try and do it in a really a way of creating more good and creating more openness and abundance and uh, gratitude for it and appreciation yeah but it's, it's totally a journey it's a, yeah <laughs> it is yeah. it is yeah. it is and and before we close uh, this is a question I always ask my guests because this is a question that I don't think anyone has a complete answer for um, even the neuroscientists are still trying to fathom 
<laughs> this particular question. So feel free to just share whatever comes to your mind. Uh, but what is your understanding of consciousness to you and based on what you have experienced so far? I know there's like kind of esoteric, big high level answers to this out there, like in terms of like collective consciousness, unity consciousness, things like that. And I will be honest, I'm still learning so much about that. I don't have a good answer on that. But my sense of what I do feel and can't feel like I can speak to and have experienced in terms of consciousness is personal consciousness. And I think we all have that access inside of us. I think consciousness is in, in all of us. I think, um, you know, I had a really interesting conversation with a friend yesterday about my daughter. She came over and my friend is also beautiful, spiritual. You guys should connect. I'll connect you guys. Um, but we were talking about how, you know, we see her as this being and like she is like divinity and trying to figure out how to live this human life and be in this human body. And it's so, <laughs> some parts are so magical and some parts are so painful and some parts are so hard. But I, I feel like we all have that. Like we all come with this like inner knowing, this inner wisdom. And I think, I think it transcends the human body. I think it transcends even the human experience. But I think the human body and the human experience help to teach the consciousness and bring awareness to the consciousness. And we can use the consciousness to move us through this, this body, this experience, this journey um, in a more powerful way if we're open to it. So I think lots of times when we talk about mindset, energy, like all these things, I think it is about how we interpret consciousness because when we are, I really believe this, if we are like just our most purest states of being, I think it's just calm, it's peace, it's quiet, and it's confident, it's steadfast, it's grounded, it's also powerful, um, it's warrior, it's all of those things. It's like all of the best things in one place. And it also knows which one to access when. Yeah, so I think it's in all of us. And I think the process, and I think we're collectively working to listen to that more and to live into that consciousness more and more because our society was not built around it. And so many things about our society smash it down. But I think we're, it's like unlearning the things um, and coming going back to the divinity that we were born with. Well, thanks a lot for sharing all of that you've shared so far your stories, uh, your anecdotes, um, your philosophy, and what, are, what all you've gone through so far on this journey called life. Uh, for somebody who wants to learn more about you, how do they go about doing that? Oh, you can go to my website, uh, lisamichaud.com. It's a little outdated, but uh, <laughs> check, check that out. Um, I'm mostly active on social media, on Instagram, at the Lisa Me Show, uh, also on Facebook, and then my podcast, uh, Golden Girls Podcast, and that's Goals, G-O-A-L, Golden Girls Podcast. That's, that's where I like to share. And uh, we have some amazing episodes coming out with Aditya too. I'm way behind on episodes, but I swear they're coming. We've just been building the real estate. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so we'll definitely have uh, the link up in the show notes, Action Tribe. I hope you enjoyed this particular session and lesson and um, noticed the difference when, when I conduct the interview uh, remotely at home versus when I'm 
in person with the guests. I hope there's a difference because it is more logistics, it is more work, it is more scheduling. But I am uh, really enjoying these uh, adventure casts, as I put it. Uh, Action Tribe, if you want to partake in a breathwork journey, if you want to further your own spiritual experience and learn from yourself, not from me, but from yourself, I'm just a facilitator that's going to open things up for you. Uh, you can do so from the comfort of your home on Zoom. Make sure you join us at my7chakras.com forward slash drop in. That's my7chakras.com forward slash drop in where you can partake with all the other people who are going to join us in a breathwork journey in the comfort of your home. If you have any feedback, questions, queries, um, you want to share something, then make sure you email me at aj at my7chakras.com. aj at my7chakras.com. I hope you have a great day ahead and we will talk soon. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.